Welcome, everyone, today to Victoria and Friends. Seriously, you've been such a dear friend to me. And I'm so grateful that I can call you my friend. So, Father, I just ask you to help our friends. I'm good. It's so lovely to be with you. (laughs) You don't have the face for radio. You have the face for television. (laughs) Today, I'm talking to a friend of mine. You're amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria, and congratulations on your new show. Welcome to Victoria and Friends. Victoria's guest today is an author, Bible teacher, recording artist, and television host, Sheila Walsh. And now, here's Victoria Osteen. Today, I have a conversation I'm so excited about with my friend, Sheila Walsh. She is an amazing woman of God. She's a Bible teacher. She's a television host. She has been on different networks sharing the gospel and good news of Jesus. And I just want to welcome you today, Sheila. How are you? I'm good. It's so lovely to be with you. You are such an inspirational person. You know, you've been on network television and, and, and done so many things. And I just want to ask you this. What is one of your most favorite things to do in everything that you've done? What is one thing that you really, really love and you say, I'm not giving that up? <laughs> well, it's so funny because um, like you, I have a finger in many pies and I, I love television. I was I worked with the BBC in London for five years. I worked with Christian Broadcasting Network for five years, Life Today for seven years, and now I'm with TBN. But I have to tell you, Victoria, the one thing that I would never give up is I still get the opportunity every now and again to go out and, and speak to a group of women in a church. And there's something about that, about being able to not only do that, but then to hang around for a little bit and to hear what they have to share and, and how God used a message that, to me, wasn't even aimed particularly in their direction, but in the way that only God can do, it spoke specifically to them. That is something that in those moments, I think, yep, that's why I'm on this planet. Uh, you know, that's that personal connection, isn't it? That community yeah. of believers is so important. And I mean, sometimes we feel like in these days we're losing that. I mean, with all the Zoom and all the social media, that whole personal connection. I know for myself, uh, when I get in with people, it's just like fuel. And and you sound yeah. to me like that's what it is for you. It just... I don't know, energy just comes that you don't even know you had. You just love it so much. Yeah, and it's interesting because when COVID first hit, for the first kind of few weeks, you know, when all, I mean, everybody's schedule was canceled. And I, to be honest, I quite enjoyed it because I was so used to traveling every weekend. And suddenly I was at home and I was, you know, like binge watching the great British baking show on, <laughs> and all that stuff. But then I realized how much I missed that connection. And I have three other women. I call them my safe sisters. There's, there's four of us. And we made a commitment during the first year of COVID in particular that we would get on Zoom calls. We wouldn't just call each other or text each other, that we had to be able to look each other in the eye and say, yeah, this is how I'm really doing. And sometimes I didn't feel like doing it. And they would text me and say, get on this call right now. And I realized they're just, we weren't made to do life mm-hmm. alone. And there's something about being with those that you love and trust and who can remind you of what's always true, no matter what might be true in a particular season that I think that our souls really need. I love that. And I love the fact that you obviously don't live in the same town or you can't always just meet for lunch and coffee. 
That's right. One lives in Orlando. We live in different parts of the country. And every year we'll plan a little time where we'll just go somewhere and we'll hang for three or four days. But during the time of, of COVID, it was just, I found it particularly for me, it's important for me to have women who know me well enough to speak the truth to me in love. And and we and during that whole year, one of us, not me, but one of our sisters was going through breast cancer. Somebody else was going through something else. And it was just, it was just this picture of that beautiful story of those men who cut a hole in their roof and lowered their friend down to the feet of Jesus. Mm. And and I think we all need that at some point in our lives. Mm. I love that. I think you might just have started something because that just gives, you know, whether it's a cousins, whether it's friends, family that doesn't live close to you to do that. And you do it how often? We do it once a week. Once you know? a week. And Is it the same time every work. week? Yeah, same time every week. And you know, and that might not work for everyone if you've got a lot of young children, but find something yeah. and find some people. And honestly, if they're in the same town as you and you can meet up for coffee, I think that's even better. Then mm-hmm. it's the spiritual anointing of, of a godly hug, you know, just to be able to, to hug one another or just say, come mm-hmm. on, you're, you're, you're going to make it. You know, we've, we've come this far. Let's not quit now. Yeah, well, I sure do love that. And I believe that gave people just ideas that, you know what, I, I can reach out more. It's one thing to call. It's one thing to text. But when you might as well use this technology for the good and let's yeah. just see each other because, you know, that's just so important. But not only have you, you speak to women, speak to groups, you know, in churches and network, but you also write books. Your newest book is The Gifts of Christmas. But tell us a little bit about this Christmas devotional. Well, you know, it's interesting when I haven't ever written anything specifically on Christmas, but I was reflecting on what Christmas was like growing up in Scotland, because it was very different growing up in Scotland and being a, being a child in Scotland and what Christmas looked like. And yet I thought of all the ways that through my, my years in Scotland, then my years in seminary in London, working with Youth for Christ, where I lived in Geneva, Switzerland, then I lived in Holland, and then I came to America. This consistency of this scarlet ribbon that goes the whole way through the Advent message, that whether you were um, a child born in, in poverty, which honestly was, was my experience as a child after my father died by suicide, or whether you're just in the best, most glorious days of your life, when you bring what is the real gift of Christmas down, it's, it's for every single one of us. And, and I've been able to share that with women in Africa and with women in a country club in Palm Springs. It's this, like the minute that tiny baby, Jesus opened his eyes, grace awakened in this world and mm. everything changed. Mm, that is so beautiful, the gifts of Christmas. And you know, that's just such a peace and, and a hope and a sense of expectancy. And that's what we need. And at times in Christmas, we need it all year long. It's not Jesus isn't just yeah. for Christmas, is he? He's all no. year long. It just happens to mark a period of time that someone can believe. You know, it's kind of like yeah. when you when you gave your heart to Christ, you know, it's nice to mark it down or remember when, set those memorial stones out. And yeah. that's what Christmas is to us. It's what, like you said, when yeah. grace awakened. And I love that. I love that expression so much. But um, tell me a little bit about, you know, how how did you grow up and how did you get into television? Well, I was born into a Christian family in, on the west coast of Scotland, which wouldn't be unusual in America, but in Scotland, less than 2% of our population even go to church. It's a nation that has really turned its back on God. 
a lot of our beautiful old churches have been turned into movie theaters or carpet warehouses. So to have a mom and dad who really loved Jesus was was quite a gift. But um, our life was radically altered. I kind of think of like the movie, The Wizard of Oz, you know, where Dorothy is standing looking out at that bleak landscape and she sings that wonderful song that everyone has covered, you know, somewhere over the rainbow. There's a place where every dream that you dare to dream could come true. And Dorothy didn't know it. She might have been looking for a rainbow, but it was actually a tornado that was heading right for her. Mm. And I think many of many of your listeners understand that when something hits your life that you weren't prepared for, and it changes the landscape. And that's what happened in our in our family. My father had a massive brain aneurysm, and was not expected to survive. But he did, and when he came home, he was different. He had lost the ability to speak, and he was paralyzed down one side. But he was only home for a few months because he became increasingly violent mm -hmm. and had to be taken off to a psychiatric hospital where he actually ended up taking his own life. And so that shifted the whole, um, just the whole snow globe of what Christmas looked like for us. I think the thing that was hard for him for my mom was all the Christmas decorations were up while all of this was happening. Mm. And so for years after that, my mom wouldn't put up anything. I had to eventually say to her when I was, I don't know, 18 or 19, come on, mom, you know, you, this horrible thing that happened is not going to rob us of the joy of the greatest gift that lets us know where, our, where my dad is now. He's safely home with Jesus and he's safely here with us. And so I'm, I actually intended to be a missionary in India. I went off to seminary to train to be a missionary in India and God redirected my steps. And I got a call from a guy called Cliff Richard, who's not so well known here in America, but in Britain, he's a major pop star. I mean, he has sold more singles than the Rolling Stones and the Who put together. Um, also happened to be a believer. And he said, the BBC are looking to do one program on contemporary Christian music they wanted me to host it, but I, I can't. I'm on tour in Australia. Could you do it? So I ended up hosting this one program on the BBC. And I think they thought it would just be a one-off. I mean, who's going to be interested in Britain and gospel music? They got so much mail that we ended up running for four years. Wow. And so that was really my entry into television. And it was live and it was music. And I, I realized that television and radio and podcasts, they have this unique trajectory. They can go right into your home, right into your car, whereas sometimes people, they might, they might not feel like wandering into a church if they're in a bad place. The fact that we can come to where they are and sit with them is really the gift of media. Mm, I love that because I know through that people have been touched in so many ways by your ministry. And I think about how you're right. People don't necessarily won't come to a church, but you've got them captive in their car or in their home, yeah. you know, and they'll turn on the. T I mean, how many times have I heard, you know, I just was flipping through the channels or, you know, you probably <laughs> heard that so many times. And I heard a yeah. story that you were talking about or and it just it captures people's attention. But, you know, and it, can I just uh, rewind just a minute? So your your mother, um, how did it help her to overcome, you know, because I'm sure with her sorrow, it had to affect you as well. Yeah. Was there something that she saw or did, or was it that day that you just came in and said, Mom, we got to move forward? 
Yeah, that's very, very true, Victoria. And honestly, it was back then, particularly in Scotland, there was such shame attached to any kind of, you know, a death by suicide. We, My father was buried in an unmarked grave and we had to leave town. Mm -hmm. And we went back to the little town in Scotland where my mom was born. And it was very hard. She was left as a widow with three children under the age of seven mm. um, to raise by herself. And, you know, the interesting thing is I think the enemy always overplays his card. Because my mom told me when I was a teenager, she said one night, and I think sometimes the nights are the most difficult when you're stuck. You know, I think that's the time when the enemy loves to lie to us. And she said one night, it literally felt as if her bedroom became cold. And she felt this sense of, someone saying to her, there is no one on this earth tonight praying for you. And it was just in that moment that something shifted for her because my great grandmother, her grandmother was one of the most godly women I've ever known. And she knew that if nobody else in the world remembered her that night, she knew her grandmother was on her knees interceding. And she said she literally got out of bed and stood beside her bed and remembered that beautiful declaration that Psalmist David shares at the end of Psalm 27. I believe I will live to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I think that just turned a corner for her. She remembered that, yeah, life is hard, but God is faithful. And God had a track record with, with her. And so she committed herself to saying, Lord, I, all I ask is that you spare me to see all three of my children come to know you in a deeply personal way and, and set in the vocations they, that you have called them to. And I think of so many moments in my own life, Victoria, where I have looked on just those diamonds that my mother drew out of the darkest nights and, and gave to me, that even when life seemed really dark, I remembered that nothing nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Mm, that is so beautiful. God is always speaking, isn't he, Sheila? I mean, yeah, it's always. are we listening? And yeah. you know, how do we how do we tune into God more? You know, I mean, it's like people want to hear from God, you know, they just want to know what to do. They they want to say, God, show me what to do. I mean, how would you encourage someone who is just saying, Oh, I'm in this dark place and I don't I don't hear from God and I need to know how do I do that? Yeah, and honestly, that's a great question. And I remember during the first part of COVID, I felt myself kind of spiraling because I every time and it wasn't even the national news, I kind of stopped watching the national news, but it was the local news. And I remember seeing a story of a man whose wife was in intensive care and she was dying and he couldn't go and see her. He wasn't allowed. And I literally found myself on my knees in our den watching this poor man and thinking, Lord, how do we live in these days? But I remembered something that my spiritual mentor was Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife. And sometimes when Billy would be off in crusades, Ruth would invite me to the house and she just poured so much wisdom into me. And one thing that she said had stayed with me she said that, you know, when you're stuck in a place or you're longing to hear God's voice more, read, dive deep into God's word and then read good books. But don't just read what's current. Go as far back as you can, because our brothers and sisters have left us um, their stories along the way. So I began to dig deep and I came across this statement from someone who lived in the fourth century and his name was Athanasius. And he said this, whereas most of scripture speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us. 
they give us a language of prayer. And so what I began to do, and I still do, I did it today. We live in a town home and we have a little balcony in the middle floor. I go out onto the balcony and I read three Psalms out loud because it's so good for my ears to hear what my eyes are reading. And they remind me of this is what is true, no matter what might be on the evening news. And that's helped me hear the voice of God. And it's not as if all the Psalms are happy rejoicing. If you're sad, you will find yourself in the Psalms. If you're lamenting, you'll be there. If you're overwhelmed with joy, you will find yourself. They give us a language of prayer. Mm, That is so beautiful. And that is so amazing. You know, uh, Ruth Graham was an amazing woman. I mean, raising children in a time where her husband, you know, had to take like you think about it, he didn't just jump on a plane and go, you know, across the pond to minister. He It would take a long time for oh, him yeah. to get there and a long time for him to get back. It wasn't as fast paced as it is. Have you ever written anything about about those times with her? Yeah, I have. Um, I think I wrote about it in my book, It's Okay Not to Be Okay, because one of the things that really touched me most about her was the way that I actually spent... Um, three weeks in a psychiatric hospital myself, dealing with severe clinical depression. And there was something about that that made me feel as if I'd failed God somehow, that I had really let him down. Because, you know, I have known God's word since I was a little girl. And I know those Psalms and I know those promises, but I was struggling. But when I first got out of the hospital, she was the first person to contact me. Mm. And she said, Bill's out of town. I want you to get on the first plane and come and stay for a few days. And I'll never forget that first night, Victoria. You know, she she showed me to my bedroom and um, and she said, get into bed and would it be okay if I come in and read you a story? And she brought me a cup of tea and sat down on the, on the edge of the bed and read me this beautiful story from an old, old Scottish book called Beside the Bonnie Briar Bush. And it was all stories filled with faith from Scotland. And then she prayed over me. And I think, what a gift. Mm. And, and what a loving acceptance from from someone who was so loved and admired and yet was able to see people when they were um, broken and and reach out with no judgment, simply with love, a story, and a cup of tea. (laughs) Wow, that can make an indelible uh, imprint on your heart. And it makes you realize that when you stop just to see people who feel like maybe no one's seeing them, or, you know, that like you said, I felt like I was almost like I disappointed God when that yeah. was not the case, and then someone came and spoke to you such a beautiful, just mm-hmm. to bring you a cup of tea and read you a story, I wouldn't have even thought to do that. I love that. I <laughs> I'm like, that is amazing. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, how those little gestures even, uh, yeah. you know, of love and kindness towards one another can make such big differences. Now, you're married and you have a son, right? Yes, we do. He's 26 years old. He's studying clinical psychology at UNT Dallas. Fun. That is great. Now, how long have you been married? We've been married. It will be 28 years this year. 28 years. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That's That probably felt like it went really quickly, didn't it? I mean, Some in years. a sense. <laughs> in a sense. But yes. Yeah, that's so great. Tell me just a little bit about, like, right now, you've written this beautiful Christmas book, and I know that you've been, you know, enthralled with that and the events and the thinking back and, you know, pouring so much of yourself into that. But, but what is he kind of speaking to you right now? 
You know, it's so interesting you ask that, Victoria, because I don't think I've ever seen a time where the church can be so divided in so many ways and so critical of one another. And social media, which can be a wonderful thing for communicating truth and support and love, and but it can also be such a vehicle for for, for venom and hate and people feel kind of safe behind a computer screen to, to type whatever they feel. So my daily prayer at the moment, and this is something I just started just a few weeks ago, is every single morning praying, Lord, today, give me ears to hear what I would miss without your spirit and give me eyes to see what I'm going to miss without you. And it could be something as simple as last week, um, I'm driving up to the studio, but I, I stop at coffee shop to get a cup of coffee. And I come out and there's a lady, she's probably, I don't know, in her late 60s, early 70s, sitting at the edge of the sidewalk. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you know, Sheila, she needs just a word of encouragement. So I went over and I said, do you mind if I sit down? And she was a little surprised. She said, no. So I sat down beside her um, and introduced myself. And I said, for some, the, the Lord has really put you on my heart. And I'm wondering, is there anything that I could pray for you about? And just these big tears just rolled down her face. She had just been given the news that um, she had had a test and it came back positive for cancer. And she felt totally alone. And just even sitting there on a sidewalk, which isn't where we would normally sit down, we'd look for the safety of a, a nice seat or a back in our car. She just kind of sat there and said, Lord, you know, do you still see me? And the fact that God was kind enough to say, yeah, not only do I see you, but I'm going to send one of my kids to pray with you. That that's in this world that's so angry and so negative. If we could be the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go, always looking for an opportunity to speak a word of hope, a word of encouragement. I have only once in my life in recent years have I asked someone if I could pray for them and they've said no. And obviously I respected that, but almost everywhere I go, and I, I don't go around like a nutcase annoying people generally in public, but just to be open to that prompting of the Holy Spirit, because people are hurting right. and people need to know that they are seen. What did that do to you when you got back in the car? I mean, <laughs> I love that. And that's the amazing thing that Victoria is available to every single one of us, every single one of us who own the name of Jesus. I, I think of myself as, because some of these people differentiate between what you do in the platform and, and what you do in the rest of your life. But I don't see it that way. I see as I'm on mission 24-7. I have this privilege of being Jesus' boots on the ground. And so to be to be open to that, to be kind and to be loving and to be, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's who you and Joel are. You've spent your whole life uh, and ministry being that way, being encouraging and uplifting to people. And the world needs that now more than it ever has. I agree. And you know what? It's just one person at a time. Really, yeah. it is. It's those people, like you said, that you can go sit down beside or that you can give a smile to or that you can let them know, you know, that you care. And it's really not that hard, is it? Now, you're no. busy. You are on your way to the office. You could have had a you know, a live program or a taping that you had to be there. But you know what? You stopped and you had time to to be able to do that. And I think that's just amazing because we get really, really wound up in what we're doing. 
And sometimes we mm-hmm. forget to see that there are other people. In fact, if they're not going fast enough or if they're in our way, it's like, <laughs> move out of the way. I've got something to do. But it's good to slow down, <laughs> isn't it? It's, it's good for our health yeah. even to slow down. It's, it's good for us to slow down. So I think that's a good reminder today that, you know what, maybe we're going a little faster than we should. And God wants to get something out there to us, not only for us to do, but for him to do in us. Because I don't think you're going to ever be the same because you did that. No, I think that's really true. I think every time that we listen and respond and we see what what God's heart was toward her. Now, if I'd been busy, if I had a taping shoot, I'm sure the Lord would put it on the heart of of another believer, someone else. But we just get this privilege of, you know, saying yes. In fact, um, after my mom passed, when my sister and I were going through all her things, my sister was to have my mom's gold watch and I was to have my mom's engagement ring after she, she died. And so when we were looking through all my mom's stuff, she had been in a home for the last two years of her life. She had Alzheimer's. So our church did this wonderful thing. They bought a large home in our town and they had it refitted so that nine or ten of our senior members could be there when they were no longer able to take care of themselves so my mom was in there with women she's been in the church with all her life but we found a watch but we couldn't find the ring and so i said well i'll go ask the matron and so i said the matron do you have any idea where my mom's engagement ring is and she said oh i'm afraid there's a story there (laughs) oh do tell and she said one night your mom was sitting with a friend in the lounge and her friend's son had just brought a huge box of beautiful Belgian chocolates. And your mom said to her, I will swap you my ring for those chocolates. And so she did. And the matron said to me, Sheila, do not worry. I can get the ring back. And I said, you know what? No. If my mom enjoyed the chocolates, let that woman have the ring. Because the only thing I wanted, Victoria, mm. was this little picture that was, had been hanging above my mom's bed all my life. And it was just two words. Yes, Lord. Mm. And that's, in fact, I had it, you're not going to see it on radio, but I had it tattooed onto my wrist afterward because I think that's how my mom lived her life. She would lay her head under that declaration every night and every morning she would, she would get up facing a brand new day with those words on her heart and her lips. And I used to tease her as a teenager and say, you don't know what you're saying yes to. And she would say, no, but I know who I'm saying yes oh, to. Okay. But that became the most precious thing to me. Isn't that amazing? That is such a beautiful story. I love that. And your mom, <laughs> she seems like a real character. I mean, I love the fact that she loved chocolate. <laughs> she loved chocolate <laughs> more than her ring. <laughs> yes, in that moment. <laughs> but uh, isn't it funny how when we're younger, like we don't really, we, we see this happening. We see this example. We see a life lived. But when when they've passed and went with the Lord, those things are even richer. They're even more oh, meaningful so and they just, they resonate into the very core of who you are. And it sounds like that your mother was a beautiful example and that you've drawn so much strength from her. So I, I love that for every mother out there who doesn't think they're making a difference, who doesn't think that maybe their example is, you know, showing up on the surface right now. I, I believe that you keep doing that. You keep, yeah. being who God called you to be. You keep loving the way God wants you to love. And uh, I, I think that it will it will penetrate the hearts of your children and it'll make, it'll be a legacy that you leave for them. You know, you can leave. She could have left that ring to you, but yeah. the thing she left to you was yeah. greater than that, that 
Yes, Lord. You know, so I love that. That's a, such a beautiful story. This has been such a great conversation. Listen, Sheila Walsh is amazing. You can see her, of course, on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. You can read her book. She's got this beautiful Christmas book out, The Gifts of Christmas, and many, many other books that are so full of revelation and and just just wisdom and just encouragement for those of who are going through struggles and how to how to keep moving forward because really that's all we can do, isn't it? Just to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, just take the next step and know that Jesus is with you. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been such a delight talking to you and I, I'm going to see you soon. So I just am so yeah. glad that my audience got to have a conversation with you today. So thanks a lot, Sheila. Thank you, Victoria. Thanks for listening to Victoria and Friends, produced in partnership with SiriusXM. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review and let us know what you think. And if you've not done so already, subscribe so you'll never miss a new episode. Thanks for listening to Victoria and Friends.